This is Digital Story Podcast number 936, February 27th, 2024. Today's theme is, is something really wrong or is it me? I'm Derek Story. Even people who use electronics all of the time can be baffled by them. You turn it on, get a warning light and wonder, is something really wrong or is it me? It could go either way and it's hard not to jump to conclusions. I've had a rash of these experiences lately, and I'll share one with you, if for no other reason, to demonstrate that we all fall into this trap. I hope you enjoy the show. I do admit, I push the envelope sometimes, especially if I can save a few dollars. In my mind, I am the king of repurposing. And for the most part, this works well for me. But every now and then, I trip on my own shoelaces. My latest folly, which I have to admit makes me laugh at myself, is a story about the Nikon ZF, which comes with one battery and no charger. We all know that a happening photographer cannot survive on one battery alone, and to buy a second would tack another $60 onto the budget. So I examined an extra battery that I already owned, the Nikon ENEL15 that came with my aging D610 DSLR. It looked just like the ENEL15C that came with the ZF with just a little less horsepower. And sure enough, when I inserted that old EL15 into the ZF, everything worked normally. Problem solved. I checked the substitution online and Nikon officially states that the EL15 was not supported in the ZF, but it was working great. And to make things even better, the Nikon battery charger MH25 that was also included with my D610 charged both the old and the new Nikon batteries. I was in frugal heaven. Life has been good since this discovery. I have two batteries for the ZF, and that's all I need for my everyday photography. I keep the newer one in the camera and pack the older one as a backup. Then on Saturday, Teresa and I have some errands out in wine country. The rain had subsided, and the forecast was fantastic. I'm bringing the Nikon, I said to myself. I didn't have the battery charger at home. It was at the studio. No problem, I thought. I can charge the ZF via USB-C cable. All the new cameras allow you to do that now, and I think it's a great convenience. No more having to pack that big charger if you don't need it. Just any old USB-C cable will get the job done. So I dug around in my bag, found a nice substantial one, and connected the camera to a power source. The charging light started blinking, continued for 30 seconds, then went dark. Hmm, I thought. Seems like it should stay on while it's charging. I checked the LCD screen on the camera and noticed that indeed it was not charging. That's odd, I thought. I'll try again. Same thing happened. 30 seconds of blinking, then nothing. My next thought was shrouded in darkness. Oh no, I have a defective camera. I took a deep breath. Now hold on there, cowboy. It's probably something simple. Maybe it's the cord or the power brick itself. 
So I found another cord and another power brick. Same result. I tried yet another tandem. No charge. At this point, I had the contents of my equipment bag spread all over the couch and a battery that was only 40% charged. When all else fails, read the owner's manual. So I found the PDF on my iPad and looked up charging. There was a note that stated that when the light blinks for 30 seconds and goes out, there's a charging error. <laughs> Excellent. Oh no, I have the only Nikon ZF in California that won't charge via USB. I felt defeated. I repacked the contents of my cord pouch and stuffed it back in the backpack. Might as well tidy up, I thought. Then I poured myself another cup of coffee and pondered my situation. Why won't it work? Is it really broken? Then I thought of one last ditch effort. What if I switched batteries and tried charging the backup? Who knows, right? I fetched the backup battery out of my backpack and switched it out with the one that was in the camera. Plugged everything in and waited. The charge light went on and it was steady. I checked the LCD screen and it too indicated that the camera was charging. I was partially relieved. I examined the battery that I had extracted from the camera, the one that would not charge. It looked fine. Then I noticed on the back of the battery that I was trying to charge the older EL15, not the battery that came with the camera. I must have forgotten that I switched them. Then my charging light went on. The Nikon was charging because it had the battery in it that came with the camera, not the five-year-old cell that wasn't supported. I guess that charging via USB involves more than just the camera, but the battery too. Nothing was wrong with my equipment. In this case, it was me. It's so funny when this happens to me. I mean, it's funny afterwards. It's not funny at the time, right? <laughs> at the time, you're just going, oh, no, I mean, I don't want to go through. I have to find the box. I'm going to have to pack it up. I'm going to have to get permission to send it back. Then I have to wait for another one. You know, all those things that go through your head. And it's just horrible. It really is. It's such a bummer. Like, all I wanted to do was charge my camera and head out and have a nice Saturday afternoon taking pictures and running errands. And none of that was looking good. <laughs> and then, you know, especially with electrical stuff, we all know the tricks, right? Because we've been fooling around with this stuff forever. You turn it off and then wait 10 seconds and then turn it back on. Amazingly, that fixes things about 80% of the time. I'm still blown away by how often that works. But sometimes that doesn't work. I mean, I actually tried that with an icon. Turn everything off, turn it back on. Now, 30 seconds of blinking and then nothing. So then you start doing the process of elimination, right? <laughs> okay, maybe it's the power brick. Maybe it's the charging cord itself. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And you go down that line and the whole time you're thinking, please let it be one of these things because I don't want it to be a broken camera or a broken computer or, or whatever it is that you're trying to get to operate correctly. But inside, it's so hard. It's like that little, that little devil, that little dark cloud is in there going, oh boy, you got a defective one. Yeah, 
finally, it happened to you, right? <laughs> and sometimes it is something like the charging cord. I know a, another thing that happened to me, oh, I don't know, a couple months ago. Remember when I was writing about the Lux Senior, the, the bare bulb flash? I, this is a really cool thing, the Godox. I love this flash, by the way, because it's thin. It packs, you know, really well because it's kind of long and, and narrow. So it fits anywhere in the camera bag and it works on every camera. No, no matter what camera I have, it just it works on it. And then that bare bulb is, is really cool. So anyway, when I got it, it has a rechargeable battery built into it. So you don't put in A cells or anything like double A cells or anything like that which I like. I like that a lot. So when I went to charge it, again, USB-C, I plugged it in and the charging light would not go on. And I go, what do you, what's going on here? Why isn't the charging light going on? What I did, I just grabbed like a USB-C cable because, you know, it's funny in my mind, I think that if there's a standard, like a USB standard, USB-C standard, then all USB-C cables should work, right? They should be interchangeable. Isn't that the definition of a standard? <laughs> of course, I thought the same thing on the Thunderbolt cables and learned that that is not the case with them. So I was just grabbing any old cable. Now a cable came with the flash that was in the box, but you know, I didn't bother to, to pull it out and wind it, do all that stuff. So I was just grabbing any, any old USB-C cable. It wouldn't charge. And then I grabbed another one and it wouldn't charge. And I go, doggone it. They sent me a defective flash and I was really upset. I get the thing all boxed up and I'm going to send it back. And I'm just about ready to request authorization to send it back. And I said, you know, I'll try one more time. Maybe it's just the, you know, the power brick or whatever. So this time, because I wasn't around the other cables, I actually grabbed the cable that was in the box because I had everything right there plugged it in and it worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked with the cable that came with the flash, but it wasn't working with the other two USB-C cables that I had. And I'm going, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, really, this is not cool. So anyway, you never really know what it is or what it could be. I swore that this flash was defective. I mean, really, come on, you plug it in, no light goes on. Now, Ever since I found the right cable, I've had no problems with it all, and I love the flash. So it's just funny to me how we just have to be careful, I have to be careful about rushing to conclusions when something doesn't work right away. I know a lot of people get frustrated. People that I help with technology problems get frustrated really quick and they're and they're ready to, you know, just send it back, throw it away, do whatever. Most of the time I have discovered there's one little thing. Now, every now and then it truly is defective. Absolutely. But sometimes there's just one little thing that you're not thinking of. And that's probably the thing that's preventing it from working properly. I thought I'd share this with you just to know that I feel your pain. I go through it too. Photomator 3.3 adds a powerful new file browser to the photo editor. And you can read this entire article on petapixel.com. I have a link to it in the show notes. 
and they have some links in the article that you might want as well in addition to illustrations. Let me read you what they have to say and then I'll tell you what I discovered during my testing of this latest version of Photomator for the Mac. Pixelmator has released a significant update to Photomator. It's award-winning photo editing app for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad, and Vision Pro. Photomator 3.3 includes a powerful new file browser built on native Mac OS functionality, promising a fast and convenient photo browsing and editing experience no matter where photographers keep their files. Quote, one of the things that users love most about Photomator is how right at home it feels on the Mac, says the lead developer at the Pixelmator team. Quote, and with the addition of a powerful file browser, it's now simpler than ever to browse and edit photos, not just on the Mac, but also across external drives and cloud services, end quote. Pixelmator says users can import tens of thousands of photos in seconds by dragging and dropping them into the new Photomator file browser. Edits are directly synced with the original photos without creating duplicate files or catalogs, helping photographers keep their large image libraries organized and clutter-free. Quote, users can seamlessly edit photos stored across various cloud services such as Dropbox, Box, Google Drive, and Microsoft OneDrive, as well as SSDs, NAS devices, or SD cards with the same ease as editing on their Mac. Regardless of the storage location, photo editing is completely non-destructive, letting users preserve the original photo and revert edits at any time, end quote, promises Pixelmator. Photomator is available to download for free from the Apple App Store. Within the free version, users can access all of the app's editing tools and save a limited number of edited images. For unlimited access, users must pay $5 a month, $30 a year, or $120 for a lifetime license. By the way, I got the lifetime license, and it's just been great because no matter what they do, no matter what they add, whatever, I just download it <laughs> and just use it. Photomator is compatible with devices running iOS and iPad OS 16 or later for the iPhone and iPad and Mac OS 13 or later for the Mac. The photo editing app was also named the Mac app of the year last November by Apple. And it really is a nice piece of software. I'm really surprised that Photomator doesn't generate more attention. And um, I know it's Mac only, and of course that always limits things, but this is a really, really, really solid app. I mean, I just, I love the way it performs. I love the tools on it. And it has things that I really like just built into it. It has the AI resizing. It has AI noise reduction built into it. You can convert images to HDR. It has, you know, just like a lot of really nice tools in addition to all the adjustments that you would want to make. Now, when I was testing it, though, you know, some of the things that make Photomator so good, which is that it really taps into the Mac's native file management system. So that, oh boy, that makes it really fast. And on Apple Silicon, it is like super fast. But it also taps into the Mac system software for things like raw profiles. 
So unless Apple has updated the raw profiles for your camera, let's say you have a newer camera, until Apple updates the raw profiles for that camera, then you can't edit the raw files in Photomator. So whatever photos can do or whatever preview can do with raw files, that is the same limitation for Photomator. So I would say that's one downside because Apple is traditionally slow with the raw profiles for the OS. Case in point, my Nikon ZF, which has been out since fall, right? Fall 2023. I still don't have a raw profile for it that I can use in photos, in preview, or in Photomator. So that's like the one thing that you really have to be aware of with this application. Other than that, it's almost all good news. I mean, it's fast. The tools are fantastic. There's a, just the right amount of AI integration. You can work with different layers. Uh, it integrates uh, within the Mac OS really well. For instance, you edit a file in Photomator and then you can send it, the edited file, you can just send it right over to Photos, uh, no problem, all that kind of stuff. It's a terrific application. It's an affordable application. And if they would just get the, the fire poker and nudge Apple to be a little faster with their raw profile updating, it would be really great for Photomator and for all of us that like using these sort of apps that depend on the Mac operating system for their raw profiles. Terrific app. I absolutely love it. Coming up in June 2024 this year, we have the Infrared Photography Workshop. This is an online workshop in infrared photography. And, and I try to do it you know, during the summer months or the coming summer months, or at least when there are leaves on the trees and possible clouds in the sky and all that good stuff, because the drama that you can create with IR photography, either color or black and white, is just phenomenal when you have foliage and sky and clouds to work with. It's just absolutely beautiful. And the stuff that you have seen a million times around your house and where you live, will look completely different when you capture an IR. We are going to take you from zero to 60 in IR photography over the course of this workshop. It begins on June 5th, 2024. You can sign up for it by clicking on workshops at the digital story or at the nimblephotographer.com. Sign up for it there. We still have a few seats left. If you've wanted to get into IR photography, this is a great workshop to do so. It's fun to hang out with the others. We've been doing this for a while and we have it down to a very enjoyable science. I hope you can join us. Announcement. The original OM-1 has a major performance firmware upgrade coming. You can read this entire article on fstoppers.com. I have a link in the show notes. I'll read you what they have to say, and then I'll tell you what OM Digital Solutions has also shared with me on this topic. All right, here we go. OM Digital Solutions has been working on a firmware upgrade for their original OM-1. They announced the OM system, OM-1 Mark II Interchangeable Lens Camera, on January 30th. 
and there have been many inquiries regarding the possibility of a firmware update to the OM system OM1 that was released nearly two years ago. Not every feature of the new OM1 Mark II will be included in the older camera with this firmware upgrade, no doubt because the Mark II version included new hardware to cope with the additional functionality. However, they are living up to their promise of updating the OM1. The future firmware upgrade is scheduled to be available later this year, most likely in October. Improvements that will be brought by the update include autofocus, improvement to some AF performance capabilities such as SAF and CAF in all target mode to improve capture of main subjects. They're also including improved usability through the option to assign the trash delete button as a menu access shortcut, which I think is really cool. That's really nice. OMDS says it cannot include new features introduced with the OM1 Mark II, such as live GND, the built-in graduated filter, and AI detection AF for humans. This is not a huge firmware upgrade. Let's, let's be honest. Whenever you get improved autofocus performance, we'll take it. And we're definitely getting that, especially in the SAF and CAF all target mode. I've talked about this in earlier podcasts, you know, trusting the camera when you're letting it make focusing decisions to get it right. This is another step in that direction to hopefully allow us to trust it even more when we're in all target mode. In other words, all the squares are activated and the camera is choosing the subject and focusing on it. So that'll be nice. And then of course, that nice little shortcut, we have a new shortcut now we can assign to the trash icon. You don't need a trash icon when you're taking pictures, so why not use that button for something else and they're gonna allow us to do it. But that's pretty much it. That's gonna be pretty much it unless there's something else uh, that they come up with between now and then. But in the official notification that I got from OM Digital Solutions, they also limited the firmware update to these two things. So firmware updates are welcome, especially when we get some improved performance, such as this one. However, if you want some of those major goodies, such as AI detection, AF for humans, you're gonna to have to go with the Mark II that has the hardware to enable that sort of functionality. I'll keep you posted when the firmware update is available. A lot of us have the OM1 and I'm looking forward to improving the autofocus and adding that shortcut to my camera. All right, let's take care of a little virtual camera club news. The Nimble Photographer newsletter comes out every Thursday. It's free. It just shows up in your email box. That is, if you have subscribed, which you need to do. I'll give you an example of how we worked it last week. This is a perfect example of how the newsletter works with the podcast. So on the podcast, that wasn't that was crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> kind of how it went last week. I did not know what Fuji was going to announce at their you know event, and that event was happening at night. I had already recorded the podcast. I was editing. I had no idea what they were going to announce. 
here I am. I'm editing the podcast. It's 9.30 p.m. And Fuji makes their announcement. And it's the X106. <laughs> they go, oh, okay. That's really huge. <laughs> that's really huge. And then the things they included in the X106 were crazy. Image stabilization, sensor-based image stabilization, 40 megapixel sensor, all that. So I'm just going, all right, how am I going to do this? So I just sort of took some of the verbiage I had about the event itself. And then I just recorded the announcement, parts of the announcement, and I just dropped that in. And I know it was a rough cut. If you're listening to last week's podcast, you know, that was a rough cut. I usually don't do those, but I figured it was more important to live with the rough cut and get the information than not having the information. Cause I can't record when I'm at the house sitting on the couch in the middle of the night, I would have to come back to the studio and record here. And so <laughs> that was kind of a crazy thing, but I did get you the information. However, awkward it may have come across. So then on Thursday, all right, now I have a little bit of time. I have screenshots. I have more information. So on Thursday, I was able to delve into the details with screenshots of the X106. And, you know, that was a nice follow-up, I thought, to the podcast. So that's where the newsletter and the podcast work really well together, because sometimes the timing is off for the podcast, but then I have a little breathing room to kind of shore things up by the time the newsletter has to go out. So if you haven't signed up for it, I encourage you to do so. It sort of gives you the complete picture of what's going on in our world. Sometimes <laughs> these timing things create some awkward situations, but you know what? We just motor through them, right? We just motor through them. Okay, a big thanks to our Inner Circle members. These are the folks that support our community month in and month out. They're the folks that keep terrible ads off our website, and they're the folks that get discounts to all of our online and in-person workshops. And so if you're thinking about signing up for that infrared workshop, well, you get 10% off if you're an Inner Circle member. If you're thinking of signing up for the Safari West Fall in Sonoma County, wine tasting, all sorts of other good things, going to the coast workshop, 10% off that workshop. So, I mean, <laughs> it can be really financially worth it to sign up and be an Inner Circle member. In addition, just to hanging out with other Inner Circle members on our exclusive space for them on Derek's Story Online. If you want to learn more about this, if you want to sign up and become part of this group, all you have to do is click on the Patreon tile that's on all the pages of the digital story, nose around a bit, and then I hope you can join us this year. It's a lot of fun. And a big thanks to our Inner Circle members for supporting this community. And finally, I'd like to give a huge shout out to our friends at Red River Paper, longest running sponsor of the digital story. The folks that have some of the best and widest variety of inkjet printing paper out there. You know, the nice thing, once you get into printing, once you get into printing at home, and you really discover the connection between the paper that you're using and the image that you're printing on that paper, and once you figure out that, wow, I can really influence the mood, the tone, 
all aspects of this image by the paper selection that I make. And those two things really go hand in hand. And the thing that I really like about Red River Paper is that they have a surface and then also just the, the feel of the paper itself for practically any mood that you want to express through your printing. That's huge. I keep a fairly wide selection of paper here. You don't have to have tons of sheet in every stock because sometimes, you know, there's some stocks that your go-to stuff, and then there's other stocks that are for certain kinds of images. But being able to pick the right paper for that image and have those two marry together to create artwork that when you hand it to somebody or they look at it on the wall, they just go, that's fantastic. You know, and sometimes even if they've seen it on a computer screen or your iPhone, and then they see the print, they go, why does that print have so much more emotion to it or so much more character? Well, that's because you found that right combination of printing surface with the tone and the mood of the photo. Red River Paper will help you pick the right stock for your images. All you have to do is go onto their site, nose around a bit. They will give you suggestions for all sorts of different types of images. You can even get sample packs that have different surfaces and then find the paper stocks that work with the images that you want to print. It's really cool. When you strike that chord, the best example I can give you, like if you play golf, when you hit that ball just right and it takes off or you play baseball and you just hit that ball squarely and it soars out of the park, that's the way it feels. Red River Paper, they also have a terrific Facebook page at facebook.com slash Red River Paper. Longest running sponsor of the digital story and we're so thankful to have them making all that great paper and supporting this podcast. All right, it's going to do it for me this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Working on more great stuff for next week. Until then, get out there, take some pictures, stay safe. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye now.